<clears throat> I've been speaking about the tabernacle of, of David. And God is restoring the tabernacle of David. In the book of Acts, chapter 15, we see this, that we are rebuilding the tabernacle of David, and that's really the agenda of God. Um, James was quoting scripture in the book of Acts, chapter 15, was quoting a scripture from the book of Amos, chapter 9. You don't have to go there now. Amos, chapter 9, you can go and read it. And he quotes it directly from this chapter in the Old Testament where he says, and this is what God will rebuild. In the book of Amos, it also takes it a bit further and says that <clears throat> as a result of this rebuilding of the tabernacle, there is a couple of things that's going to happen. One of the things that's going to happen is there will be sweetness dripping from the wine, from, from the mountains. We, wine dripping from the mountains. And obviously this is pictures of something else. And the, it's a picture of, 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 of what happens to the church when the church comes back to its original uh, order, structure, method of operation, that from within them there is a flow of wine. Now it's not Chardonnay and Pinotage that it's talking about, your order good Merlot. You know, all those things are nice. But it's talking about revelation. When the Bible speaks of wine in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it normally speaks about the Word of God, revelation, that has the ability to intoxicate you, <laughs> to change the way you see things, to touch you, and to be a blessing to you. Now, I hope some of you are not just now switching off and you're only thinking of wine as of this moment. Say, no, be like David. My soul return to your rest. <laughs> But the point is that there is a blessing to us who present ourselves to be formed into the tabernacle of David. And when we spoke about the tabernacle of David, we said, and we're going to talk about this for a while to come, we said that it is something that God is building. God is building His church. God is building His house. And we are part of His house. God is building you. You and I are living stones. We all know this. And we said that the restoring of the tabernacle of David starts much earlier then 2 Samuel 7, when it speaks about how this tent is being pitched and that the Ark of Covenant is now brought to this tent. The, Ark, the, the tabernacle of David became the tabernacle of David the moment that the Ark stepped into or was brought into this simple tent structure which was placed on Mount Zion. The tent is a really a picture of the believer and of the church which basically says that we are not really that significant and that special unless the presence of God comes into our, our environment. It was the moment that the Ark of Covenant was brought into the tent that it became a tabernacle. A tent becomes a tabernacle the moment the Ark steps in. The Ark is a picture of not only the presence of God, but the nature of God, the character of God, the ability of God, who He is, everything that He is, stepping into the tent. Now, we are building a tent. We are the tent. And it's when <clears throat> certain things are placed and built in the right way that this Ark of Covenant steps in and the tent becomes a tabernacle. That's really what God wants. God does not live in natural tabernacles. We'll never live in a natural tabernacle. There's no tabernacle in the Middle East that he will go and reside in one day. Hebrews says God does not live in temples made with him. The hands of a man. And um, in this whole journey of restoration, 
we saw how the, the tabernacle of David and the re restoring of the tabernacle of David really starts by the, 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 the restoring of, or, the, or, or the building up of David himself. So if you want to study the tabernacle of David, you're going to go back not even just to David, but even to the lineage from which he comes from, uh, as far as Boaz and Ruth. And all of some of, the, some of those features that was in his great-great-parents that was brought into his life, and in his personal life, um, you know, how God raised him up. All of those features becomes building blocks we use to build and rebuild the tabernacle of David. Now, one of the things that I'm going to talk about this morning is peace. Because David was known as a man of peace. As a matter of fact, when Saul, and we will touch on this a bit later, when Saul was um, challenged and troubled, <clears throat> The Bible says that David would come and he would play some music. And then when he played some music, then the spirit or the evil spirit will leave Saul. And peace will come to the house of Saul. But the portion of scripture I want to use to connect um, to peace this morning is not found in the Old Testament, but it's found in the New Testament. And you can please turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 3 to verse 9. We're going to read this, Luke chapter 10. Verse 3 to verse 9. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> so the building block that we want to feature is the whole idea of peace. We need to look at what peace is. What peace is in, um, according to scripture. Are you there? <clears throat> oh, there we go. Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. Can you just stop there? Go back. Please, <laughs> this, when you read the scripture like that, you have to ask yourself, what in the world is Jesus trying to teach us here? Is he trying to teach his disciples to be rude? You know, don't greet anyone. You know, don't greet anyone, don't say hello. You know, it's not, what he was <clears throat> trying to say is just be so focused on what you're doing. Be focused on what you're doing. Don't worry too much about all the other things. I will supply, but you've got to stay focused. Stay focused. And obviously, you know, when the Bible says, by this the world will know that you are my children in the way that you love one another, in the way that you've treated the least of these, so you have treated me. That enough is proof to us that, you know, that the Bible is not really telling us there not to greet people along the road. It's just trying to bring a message across. You're going to be focused. You're going to be on a mission. I'm sending you out as lambs amongst the wolves. Hey, it's not a nice mission, hey? When Jesus comes to you and he says, I'm sending you like a lamb amongst the wolves. No, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. No, no, no. No, you're going to go. <laughs> and that's really what the apostles was doing. They were sent like lambs amongst the wolves. They went into spiritual territory where if you weren't equipped to handle that environment, you will be devoured. It is interesting interested for me, and I, I'm sure that many people that travel in the nation sometimes, uh, you always <clears throat> feel a bit challenged spiritually when you go into another nation. That's one of the reasons I believe that, you know, traveling to other places should not be the first priority of anybody. Because if you're not called to travel to the nations, you'll get whooped 
by spiritual principalities and powers in different nations. But if you have that grace, God says, I will send you like a lamb in amongst the wolves. Don't worry about too many things. You're going to be there. You're going to go on a mission. You're going to do what I need you to do. Continue. But whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. That word peace is the word shalom. Continue. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. <clears throat> and if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. I think that's pretty self-explanatory, that those who labor from the word should live from the blessings that is brought to them by the people that receives them. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. In the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David, we find this very important principle. Finding the man of peace. And at the same time, being a man of peace. We're talking this morning about peace. Let's just look at a bit of a definition. The religious definition and the worldly definition sees peace only as the opposite of trouble. If there's trouble, the opposite of it will be peace. Fighting, no fighting. That is peace. But biblically and from a Christological perspective, we see peace as being more than just this. Firstly, it's a grace that rests upon a man and upon a woman. Number two, it refers to a grace as a substance that can bring, whole, bring wholeness to a person. And this is very important. The idea of peace, when God speaks about peace, it's more than just to quiet a storm. The purpose, the mandate, or the power of peace is to bring wholeness to that individual. Spirit, soul, and body. Wholeness. And it's always a wonderful experience to be able to sit in an environment when somebody can step into your life and just bring a word of peace. Or simply their presence brings peace into your, in, into your environment. And family, I want to encourage you. This house is supposed to be a house of peace. But also you are supposed to be a man and a woman of peace. And this grace that I'm talking about, called peace, is supposed to be something that brings wholeness. We live in a broken world, I'm sure you all agree with me. But when the spirit of peace, the nature of peace, the principle of peace, we know that, the, that peace in its original, um, can you say, form and structure, is the person of Christ. We understand that, but it's also a grace. It is a grace, <clears throat> and that scripture teaches us this, that can be transferred from one carrier to a receiver. He says, you come into a house, you have peace upon you. If that person is willing to receive your peace, or if he is a man of peace, give what you have and let it rest upon him. 
So peace is not just the absence, absence of not arguing. You know? I'm not going to argue about it so that I can have peace. No. It is a dimension of the nature of God. It is part of His grace that can be transferred. It is transferred through relationships. We see how the Bible says here, you should sit with them, eat with them. It is transferred through relationships. It is transferred through the speaking of the word. You can also pray. And while you pray, that grace can be transferred from you to someone else. I remember so well, uh, uh, one of, the, one of uh, the teachers of the school, I uh, once, uh, one morning, w- walked past them, uh, past him. And while I w- saw him, he just looked so anxious and so fearful. <clears throat> And uh, he is a believer, and I walked up to him, and I talked to him, and he spoke to me and how he was in fear in that moment, and I just spoke a word of peace into his life, and it's just, his words to me was that suddenly everything just started to make sense. Peace and quietness came to his life. The wonderful thing about the grace of peace is it can, once it enters your life, acceleration can take place. Things that you struggled with for years can start suddenly happen overnight when the grace of peace comes into your life. When the grace of peace comes into your life, the storm of adversity becomes the, becomes the wind of momentum. Come on now. Did you hear that? I say when the grace of peace enters your life, then the storm of resistance becomes the wind of momentum. Where do you get that from? Jesus in the boat. Storm of resistance. And the Bible says, and when the peace came upon the seas, and immediately they were at the other side. Very important. Peace is important. All of us want peace in our homes, yes? <laughs> there's a right way, and then there's a worldly way to get it. And church... We need to know the right way, how to function in peace, in the spirit of peace. <clears throat> it can be transferred from a carrier to receiver. It then can also rest on someone, as we've said, but can also leave a person. Peace can leave a person. When you disconnect from God, you disconnect from His ways, the spirit of peace leaves you. I believe that. Because now you're, it's up to yourself. God's not against you, by the way. If you leave him, he's not against you. He always remained faithful, the Bible says, even if we're unfaithful. Yeah? But the spirit of peace doesn't reside, remain, when we turn our backs on God. When we try and do our own thing and living it in our own way, uh-uh. the grace of peace won't work. 1 Samuel we, I read the scripture earlier. 1 Samuel 16 verse 23. You can go there. Oh, you go. And so it was. <clears throat> Whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well. And the distressing spirit would depart from him. Man, I pray 
that you will become that man and woman that when you come in the life into the presence of a soul, that whatever comes from your mouth, whatever comes from your life becomes a refreshing spirit that becomes a refreshing atmosphere to that person's life. Please never be the one that when you leave somebody's presence that they say, oh, Hanada, I'm so thankful that person is gone. Because as long as they were here, it was just moaning and negative and groaning and, you know, it's and that and that and that. Sons of God, we don't live for ourselves. We live for the kingdom of God. We have a responsibility. I want to go as far as to say we have a duty to be presenters of peace. <clears throat> Luke chapter 10 verse 6 said this also, And if a son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. And if not, it shall return back unto you. The spirit of peace forms also an integral part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. Romans 14 and verse 17. I'm sure you all know the scripture very well. Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is not in eating or in drinking, but in righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the principle of peace is an integral part to kingdom living. One cannot live according to the fullness of the mandate of the kingdom of God, if the spirit of peace is not part of your life. It is important for every son of God to live in peace. Mark chapter 4 verse 39. We have read this, I quoted the scripture already. And he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The purpose of the spirit of peace is to bring order. The word peace here means an involuntary stillness. It's not the word shalom. It means to shut up. It means to mute. It means to remove the voice of the storm. It means to remove the voice of accusation. And so to have that grace upon you that can take the fight out of the voice... <laughs> that can take the punch out of the one attacking you, is a powerful thing to do. That accusational spirit, or that, that voice that accuses you all the time, you have the spirit of grace, of peace inside of you, that can remove the power of its voice out of its mouth, so that it can quiet up. And so when you are finding yourself in sore storms of sometimes, if that storm was not brought by God, I want to encourage you to realize that the power of the word of peace in your mouth has the ability to shut that voice up. And you've got to believe that. I think one of the problems I see with us as believers many times is we don't always believe what we have. It's like we don't really say like, yes, we're always like, yeah, but, you know, this is not my personality to think I'm logical. I'm a man of reason. You can be a man of region and you can be logical and still be a man of faith. As a matter of fact, you should be. Jesus was very logical. Jesus was definitely a man of reason. But Jesus was also a man of faith. And he understood that the essence of the Father is on the inside of him. And so when he said peace to that storm that he was on, he realized that even by faith he can take 
the voice of that storm and shut it up. Bring it to a no. Bring it to a void, a place of void. The word peace here, as we said, means involuntary stillness. It means to mute. The spirit of peace is a force that has the ability to bring any attack to submission and to quietness. I love this verse. Let's quickly go to John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you. Sorry, not as the world gives do I give to you. So there's a difference between the peace of the world and the peace of Christ. And Jesus is saying here, the peace I have, I leave it to you. I give it to you. Now obviously we know that the peace that Jesus is referring to here is referring directly to the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, who is the spirit of peace. But nonetheless, what is important is for children of God to realize that there is a difference between the peace of the world and the peace of Christ. The peace of the world is always conditional. Hey, if you don't, back, if you don't fight me, I won't fight you. <laughs> you know, if you leave me out, I will leave you out. <laughs> but the spirit of peace is much more powerful than that. Much more powerful than that. And is built and born out of unconditional love. Much more powerful than that. It is a force. You have to understand it. As much as peace, if we think of peace, we think of, oh, green hills and, you know, still waters, and you think of people not fighting. It's a force. <clears throat> it, Jesus said this very contradictory statement. He says in, in, in the Gospels, he says, I did not come to bring peace, but I came with the sword to bring separation. What a statement. Is Jesus not for peace? No, absolutely he's for peace. But the way God establishes peace is always through his sword, which is the word of God. And so, the, it's also, I hope you're all with me. I'm not going too fast. Peace does not mean absolute tolerance to everything. We live in a society that tries to think that you can establish unity in the world by absolute tolerance. And by absolute tolerance, you'll create peace. But the more they try to do that, by trying to make as if everything in life is okay. You can live the way you want to. You can believe the way you want to. There's no absolute truth. Truth is all relative. The more they try to do it, the more this world is dumped in chaos. So as the church, we need to understand that the way that God establishes peace, firstly, happens through the sword. That there is a process through which he establishes peace. And we can be tolerant to everybody. You know, we don't have to hate anybody and we don't try to be exclusive as Christians. But there needs to be a difference between what we say is good and what we say is not good, and what is right, and what's not right. There needs to be a difference in the standard that we live by. And the principle of peace is very much part of this process. Love this portion. My peace I give to you, not as the world. Jesus was very quick to highlight that the peace of the world and the peace of the kingdom is not the same thing. We are closed with the spirit of peace. Believers should 
not suffer from anxiety. The spirit of peace makes the believer patient and understand that at the right time, God's promise is fulfilled. Family, I understand there are different personalities. But I don't think God wants any believer. Don't feel judged if you do. But I'm here to give you a word of hope. God does not want any believer, any Christian, every son of God, to suffer from panic attacks and live in anxiety all the time of their lives. There's so many people that suffer from panic attacks and anxiety and fears. The spirit of peace sets you free from that. If you have an ear this morning to hear what I'm saying to you, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. It's not good enough. It's not right that Christians, believers, sons of God, suffer from anxiety, being troubled by panic attacks. No! Now I pray that you this morning will be encouraged that the spirit of peace is available for you. That you can live by it. Use it, my friend. Use it. Use it well. My peace that I give to you is not the same as the ones from the world. John chapter 20 and verse 21. Please, can you go there? Just like that. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you! As the Father has sent me, I also send you. It is amazing. And it was not just a cultural thing. It is a kingdom thing. When Jesus was saying, Peace to you, shalom. It is extremely important to Jesus by the evidence that the principle of peace is very much part of everything that he does. It's as if he is saying that no relationship can fulfill its potential. No person can reach his goals. No person can fully enjoy life. No person can really make sense of life unless the spirit of peace, the grace of peace is upon that person. And every time when Jesus was saying this, Peace unto you. He probably was looking at his disciples and they were all like troubled and some of them were struggling with faith and some of them were tired. And he, this was his way to empower them and to encourage them. To take that grace that's upon him and give it to them to supercharge them and say, peace to you. And I'm like, oh, okay, there we go. You know, I'm ready. I'm ready again. Thank you, Jesus. I can now think clearly again. Amazing thing about peace is it causes you to think clearly about things. When you don't have the peace of God upon your life, you struggle to make sense of so many simple things. Simple things becomes huge problems just because spirit of peace is not. Listen, when you find yourself in that moment, remember this. The spirit of peace is available for you. Call upon the Lord. Remember that he says, the spirit that I have, I have given you. The peace that I have, not that of the world. What I have, I've given that to you. Use it. It's yours. Create the environment of clarity and soundness that you desire so much. It's not going to come through yoga music. 
It's not going to come through all kinds of dogs and cats moves and all kinds of funny things. It's going to come to you because the spirit of peace rests upon you. I can't help but look at Mike and Adele's face, and I've said this many times. Many years ago, I had this dream. Two weeks, this man with the blonde hair in my dreams. Don't worry, it was just his face in my dreams. I remember, remember Karina, I said, Karina, phone them up, get them here. And even if I have to pay for their petrol money, I'll do it. Let them come. I want to take him out of my mind. And uh, they came. Remember, we were in Mug and Bean. And I, say, I said to them, I feel the word of God for you is that I see you standing in a storm. But this morning, I'm just putting my hand, a hand of peace, into your storm. And I say, be quiet. And things that they struggled with for months or weeks, I'm not sure how long, Weeks that just couldn't happen after that morning. Boom, 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 boom. You see, sometimes we forget that what we speak about is actually real. We become religious with our own God. We forget the power behind the very words that I'm even speaking to you this morning. Might not make the mistake and think it's a guy that's very happy and he's got a green shirt and blue pants. I'm not even sure if these things fit this morning when I was getting dressed. I'm not sure if I'm fitting. My wife haven't said anything yet, so I guess it fits. There's power behind these words. Don't become religious with God. You're a living stone. His word is alive. He's building a living body. A corporate body. Enjoy who He is and what He's given to you. The Spirit of Peace. John chapter 16 verse 33. Have we read that? <clears throat> Quickly go there. John 16 verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Real peace is only found in Christ. Listen, it... Uh, uh, real peace is not necessarily the absence of storms. Real peace doesn't mind a storm or two. Real peace allows you not to be gripped by the spirit of fear in a storm. Ah, oh, come on, man. It is mooi goed wat die uitkom. <laughs> Very important to remember. Spirit of peace. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can only see peace in a storm. But the spirit of grace, the grace of peace, allows you not to be gripped by the spirit of fear inside of a storm. That is found in him. In that world, you would have tribulation. Oh, in the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome it. <laughs> Such a powerful scripture. The understanding of peace is built upon the fact that Jesus has already overcome the world. This victory is also your victory. John chapter 22 verse 21. Have we read that? Please go there. John 20, 21. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As my father have sent me, I also send you.
The understanding of peace is built on the knowledge that we as carriers of peace do not have to fight for ourselves, validate ourselves, fight for our right in this life. The peace, the righteousness, and the joy that we carry is given to us by the one that has sent me. Next time, when you wonder if you have the spirit of peace upon your life, remember this, that you have been sent into this world as much as you were born by your mom and your dad that looked at each other and there was a twinkling in the eye and, and, some, and things happened and you were born. There's more to life than that. You have been sent this morning. I want to remind you, you are sent. Hey, hey, you are sent into this world. You have a mission. <laughs> and as long as you remember that, as long as you remember that, the spirit of peace can work through you. Because the one that has sent you has not only sent you in vain and in empty hands, but he has given you the spirit of righteousness, peace, and joy. You're making me work out this morning. It's not that gold. Look at Acts chapter 9. I love this. <clears throat> Verse 31. I think we can take a bit of a feather out of this scripture. Then the churches throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. And they were edified. And they were walking in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And were multiplied. Can we just stay there and read from the back to the beginning? When were they multiplied? God is not in the adding business. God is in the multiplying business. This is something my spiritual father used to always say. And I think about this congregation. It's not my desire to have the biggest church, but I want to promise you this household is not going to be small forever. Is it going to be small forever? Not because it's randomly Monday and, you know, now seasons have changed. No. Because the foundations of the tabernacle of David has been built right into the south. Then God multiplies. What did he multiply? He multiplied a people that walked in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He multiplied a people that were edified. What, is that? what does that mean? It means they were sitting under the word. They loved the word. They received the word and they were built up. That's what edify means. They were built up by the apostles' doctrine. What builds you up? Is it only a big bank account? Or is it the fact you have got a lot of business? Or is it the fact that people love you? Or likes you? Or wants you? What builds you up? And if on the top of our list is not the Word of God, then don't you think that we're lacking something? What is God multiplying? He's multiplying people that walks in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. He's multiplying people that loves the Word of God. And He's multiplying people that lives by peace. They've received it, and now it's theirs. That God multiplies. May this be of us. The truth. Hey, it's not the goal of God to get churches packed out with people. He can do that like that. It's not even a challenge. But He wants to multiply the right stuff. And I share this with you because by myself, it's impossible to get this done. Living stones, we're talking about the rebuilding of the tabernacle. 
Take these scriptures serious. If you have to, take my notes. Read it again. Listen to the message again. But let's get it right so that we can at the end of 2019 at least say we are moving in the right direction. And we haven't just, you know, stayed at the same place. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 to verse 9. The sign of a man of the Spirit is a man of peace. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That is what it means to be spiritually minded. It's to be a man's mind is filled with the life of God, the Zoe life of God, the spirit generated life of God, and peace. That is what it means to be spiritually minded. To be a man of peace. Christ is our peace. I want to go through these scriptures and I want to finish off with some features and we will talk about this again next week. Christ is our peace. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Do you see there that he becomes our peace after he has broken down some stuff? The middle wall of separation is one of them. The way that peace is established is there's some stuff that has to be broken down first. The middle wall of separation that he talks about there is speaking about the middle wall that was found in the tabernacle. But what is the middle wall of separation between you and God? There can be many things. Sometimes it's pride. Sometimes it's a lack of intimacy. Sometimes it's a lack of understanding. But the fact is that peace comes into our lives once he has broken it down. And this morning I want to encourage you in your own time this week, to say, Father, if there are any middle walls of separation that I have built over the years, help me to break them down so that the spirit of peace can have its way and work in my life. Amen? Your life is too precious to be characterized by continuous, senseless storms. I don't know if you agree with me, but your life is too precious and my life is too precious, call me precious, <laughs> to, be, to be challenged by senseless storms. There's going to be storms that God will bring in your life, and it's fine. But a senseless storm? Oh, man. No time for that. The spirit of peace is very much part of our apostolic strategy, and I will say more about that in weeks to come. In our text, we see that Jesus says that we are to find the man of peace. And when we go into nations, it's vital for us to find the man of peace. I'm going to close with this, and I'm going to elaborate on some of them next week. Let me give you some fe features as of men of peace. And I want to give them to you because you need to go and copy these. What I'm going to give to you is your list. Werner, you must be good at swat putty. Okay? When we wake up in the morning, you need to know them. All right? All of us. What is features of men of peace? They are number one. They are bridge builders. Bridge builders. Number two. They love people. I'll give this to you. Number three. They are humble. 
They want to build what God is building. They have a desire to build what He's building. They carry a vision for restoration. To them, peace is a way of life. It's important for them to bless people wherever they go. Features of what men of peace looks like. As I said, we will continue with this next week. Let me just read this one scripture. You can stand. And then we're done. <clears throat> 1 Kings chapter 2 verse 33. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his seed forever. But upon David and upon his seed and upon his house and upon his throne there shall be peace forever from the Lord. The peace that we are talking about is a remaining grace. It's a grace that doesn't just visit you. It's a grace that reforms you. It challenges you to adjust and to bring adjustment. Family, the Word of God is powerful. And I pray this morning that you will go home this morning and you will think about it this week. That God has called me to be a man of peace. Can you please say that with me? God has called me to be a man of peace. Huh? I've, listen, I have on more than one occasion... Heard people telling it to my face. God has called me to bring a fight. God has called me to, hey, I'm telling you, by sane people. I think they were sane. Telling me, but God has called me to come and stir with leaders. It's not your call. It's not your call. You're called to be a man of peace. I understand the way that God brings peace. We've read some scriptures. But you're called to be a man of peace. If you're a living stone in his house, you're called to be a man of peace. Amen? And I pray that although we've run down through a lot of scriptures this morning, that the essence of the message grips your heart again today. That God is rebuilding the tabernacle of David. And upon this tabernacle, the spirit of peace will always remain. It's a grace, it's a power, and it's yours. Amen.